Blog Talk Radio. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Welcome to the breakbeat. We make heat to blaze streets with these words. Whether you in the burbs or in the hood on the street curb or corner. Crossing all the borders in your mental state. Elevate your thinking or fall in line like the interstate. Finna take you on a journey like the Zelda game. Painting perfect pictures without the cellophane. The Pelopane's rules are staying with destruction. And we're here with ideas for construction. Critique from critics with cynics with deliverance to demolish demons and spirits to make the network like Linux. Coverage your position. Listen, when I drop wisdom with the gods missing in a big pot to pissing. Give it all I got to give it the spirit info. Stimulate your mental over instrumental. Trying to reach my kinfo. Tired of the cheap talk. Gotta get informed and spread a message of truth talk. Separate the name, the break represents the news and issues we use to discuss a new concept. To be this, how I rearrange and change the presentation. So it isn't as complex together Introduce topics, micro, macroscopic With a little logic and perspective Educate, entertain, graffiti on your brain So the set for a change For I make my exit on the breakbeat Okay, you gotta do, 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 do it now? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're on <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry <laughs> It got silent, and then I was—I just froze for a second. My bad. Hey guys, welcome to the breakbeat. It's Noah here, and with um NC Brooks, and about half an hour from now, we'll, we'll be joined by our um our special guest, Itasha Womack, author of Afrofuturism: The World of Black Sci-Fi and Fantasy Culture. My birthday's tomorrow, y'all. Woo! So, Woo! Uh, happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> so Brooks, Brooks was like, you know, he let me do my thing with the topic, and of course I chose something weird and everything. Then I came across Afrofuturism about a year ago, and I loved it because it like it it seemed to like combine all the things that I love, like sci-fi, fantasy, tech, and the arts and feminism and everything. But um, before I get too deep into this, um, are there any announcements that we have? Uh yeah, we got we got a whole bunch or not really a whole bunch. We got a couple. Um, first and foremost, going to let y'all know, just like we let y'all know every time we do this, please go back and check the archives. Go listen back to our shows. You know, we had our show two weeks ago on race and gender stereotypes in video games, um, and two weeks prior to that, we had another show on uh, love and happiness. Um, the, our numbers for that have been pretty fantastic. So shout out to all of you who listen live and all of you who are listening after the fact because y'all are y'all are definitely awesome in in, in mm-hmm. letting us know that you know what we're doing here, <clears throat> not only on the breakbeat but on BFT Radio, is is awesome and you guys are listening. Um, aside from that. Uh, Definitely check the archives for some of the other shows that we have here on BFT Radio. Uh, this past Sunday, our um, Kim held a show called Interfaith, Social Justice, and Atheism. It's a pretty awesome show from what I got to hear of it. Uh, last week, uh, our friend Vita on uh, on Blast with Vita Star had a show on women of color feminism and and had two um, two other types two other ty- two other minorities. Excuse me. Uh, minority feminists on their show, and uh, that was definitely a definitely a blast. Very very insightful. And also prior to that, we also had um, 
uh, uh, Emin Evil, who had a show on religious hang-ups in the atheist community. So make sure you go back and check those out because, you know, they're all fantastic shows and, you know, it's, it's not it's not just enough for you to come support us, but support the other amazing people we have on this station as well. Um, secondly, we, um, um, you know, many of you, we've, we've spoken about the people of faith beyond, uh, people of color beyond faith movement, you know, uh, a whole lot over the last couple months. Um, and, you know, as you know, every month we have webcasts. Um, so the webcast for the month of March is actually taking place this Sunday at 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, which is 1 o'clock Central, 11 o'clock if you're out West. Um, and the, the subject is Women of Color and Religious Oppression. The moderator for that will be Tika from Brickbat Review, and our panelists for, our panelists for, for this will be A.J. Johnson, uh, Mercedes Forbes, Michelle Huey, uh, Georgina Capitillo, Oh, and Georgina Capitillo. Sorry. Uh, so that that'll take place this Sunday. Make sure you go and check that out. If you're if you're unfamiliar as to what exactly uh, that is, uh, People of Color Beyond Faith is an organization that was created by people from uh, Black us here, Black Freethinkers, Black Black Skeptics LA, and also uh, I think Black Nonbelievers of Dallas. I think is what the other the other group is. Um, in any case, um, in order to create productive dialogues, you know, for uh, believers and non-believers who are interested in social justice, um, and we they have weekly webcasts that they have. We had a conference last month that both myself and Noah participated in, and they try they host a weekly Twitter chat, and they have a, we also have a monthly webcast that takes place on Google Hangouts. So uh, if you can follow the POC. Beyond Faith Twitter account, or follow Black Freethinkers, or follow myself and Noah <clears throat> on Twitter, and you know you'll be able to find the link that way. Uh, speaking of Twitter chat, uh, as always, the weekly Twitter chat takes place tomorrow, Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, the topic will be announced uh, tomorrow, so feel free if you have Twitter to to log on and participate using the hashtag POC Beyond Chat. And last but not least, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Jeez, I need water. Um, later this year, us here um, at BFT, as well as uh, us affiliated with People of Faith Beyond Color, People of Color Beyond Faith, will be having our first physical conference in October of this year. <clears throat> It's called the Moving Social Justice Conference. It will be taking place October 11th and 12th of uh, this year in Los Angeles at CFI headquarters. So mark your calendars. Be sure you, you come out for that because you really, really don't want to miss this. Uh, some of the people we have speaking at this will be Mercedes Forbes of the Mercedes Parra Foundation, uh, Sakivu Hutchinson of Black Skeptics L.A., Meredith Moise, a minister for a Creative Heart Mission. We have Anthony Penn from Rice University. We have our own Raina Rhodes from the Rhodes to Reality blog. And, you know, she also appears on you know, all of our shows here. Um, Kimberly Veal, who also, you know, runs everything here, 
from people of color beyond faith and black free thinkers, and also Donald Wright of Houston Black Nonbelievers. Now, the panels that we will that we will be having are youth leadership and busting the prison uh, the school to prison pipeline, uh, feminisms of color and community activism, anti-racism and the myth of color blindness, confronting homophobia and transphobia in the black church culturally relevant humanism, what it is and why we need it. And finally, LGBTQ, Atheists of Color, and Social Justice. I said that mad weird. Um, So (laughs) for more information on that, make sure you follow People of Color Beyond Faith on Twitter or find the page on Facebook. Uh, you can also contact myself, Noah, Kim, or anyone affiliated with Black Freethinkers Radio, and we will get you all the information that you need in order to um, to um, make it out there. Uh, the last and final, the last uh, announcement that I have to make is, and we kind of mentioned this earlier, tomorrow is Noah's birthday. So <laughs> before. <laughs> Before you know, before we carry on uh, with this amazing show that we're that we're that we're going to have tonight, uh, I just wanted to publicly wish Noah a happy birthday while we're on the air, and I defer, I encourage all of you to to do the same, and uh, go post on her Facebook if you if you have her at it. Go post on her Twitter, you know. Go back, find her on MySpace. You know, whatever you got to do to let her know happy Whoa. birthday, <laughs> do that. <laughs> well, that's, you that's post on Google, right there. her Google Plus account. You know, <laughs> whatever you need to do to make this happen, definitely make this happen. So, you know, I can't sing. I want to sing, but I can't sing. So I'll be the first one to say, "Happy birthday to you! Happy uh. birthday to you!" Go ahead, then. I'm not going to keep going. That's, that's all you get. That's <laughs> we got a long show ahead of us, so that's all, that's all you get for right now. Um, all right. So, again, and shout-out to Noah for, you know, for one, for becoming my co-host earlier this year. And so, you know, we got, we got to make sure that this show is awesome. She came up with the concept uh, for this show. She's done a lot of the research, and she actually managed to book our guest, who will be coming on in about 20 minutes or so. So, uh, happy birthday. Now, uh, we'll get back to the main topic. That's all you know. All right. I'm sorry. Y'all, I'm nervous, okay? I don't I don't run shows. Brooks runs shows, okay? <laughs> Co-host. I'm she like, got this. <laughs> got this. Let's get it. So, okay. Basically, we're, um... We're going to just, like, try to define Afrofuturism for those of you who are unaware of what it is. Um, there really is no set definition. The term was coined in an essay long, long time ago by Mark Derry. It was, the essay was called Black to, the, Black to the Future. And ever since then, it's been, like, the go-to, I guess. And there's no real set I don't know. There's no real set definition. Basically, it's just like Afro, Afrocentric or 
non-European, non-European-centered sci-fi and fantasy culture. That's the best way that I can think of to describe it. And so, I mean, but Afrofuturism itself has, it, the term has been in use for a while now, I would say like maybe even a decade. And then it's, but it's spread beyond just um, <clears throat> African-Americans. It has spread to, you know, many other parts of the African diaspora. And even there, I even saw an essay on Chicana futurism and <clears throat> everything. So, sorry, y'all got to go. So, yeah, and I guess like the question that I that we ask is, you know, why should we care about this? And I really think that we should care about this because we it it, it can be used to help connect connect kids to well anybody actually to STEAM like you know science, tech, engineering, math, and the arts. And that's what that's kind of what Afrofuturism is. It's a combination of those things, and it makes it, it makes people aware that, you know, science and, and math and those kind of things, that is a form of creative expression. And it is a form of creative expression that is viable for us. So, I mean, Brooks, what do you what do you think? <clears throat> oh, I, I accidentally muted myself. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, that was that was that was definitely that was definitely weird. Um, in any case, uh, it's absolutely necessary. It's 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 you know I, I I'll I'll admit on air that I I'm a no, I'm a complete novice to Afrofuturism. Um, no, I've heard Noah mention this probably far as far as long as I've known her, and I've never actually taken any real time to really uh, to check out exactly you know what it is until, you know, we started doing the preparation for the show. Um, but I think it's, I think it's absolutely necessary. And I, 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 I think, you know, I think it's good for us to, for us as people of color to kind of, uh, kind of, I guess, break out of these norms as far as how we get depicted. And I think it, it, it's also good to, you know, as you say, connect us to, you know things like science, the arts, and, and technology. Because there's a quote I really, I really, really, I really liked um, in, in one of the articles that we that we spoke about. That spoke, that kind of spoke about breaking um, black um, that concept of blackness. Oh, here it is. Actually, it wasn't even from one of the articles. It was it was um, it was a it's a quote from Alondra Nelson who said. Blackness often gets constructed as always op- uh, oppositional to te- technologically driven chronicles of progress, and I think that this movement, from what from what I've read and understand of it so far, is is a way to 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 show that these are that they're not you know these aren't opposites you know it's, you know we can we can essentially stay up to date you know and and use technology as a means to drive our to drive our own chronicles of progress you know the show to to make our own strides towards you know the the things that we want to accomplish and i think that's that's huge you know yeah yeah um i look i don't know i i read even before i read itasha womack <clears throat> i'm sorry even though i read itasha womack 
even even um, before I read her book, I I had just like maybe like my uncle. He's in his forties, and he had he had introduced me. He loves science fiction, so he introduced me to Octavia Butler. He got me one of her um, books. You know how it, the books they come in the collection and everything, and yeah. it was the um, the Wild Seed collection, and I was just blown away because I always wanted to be a writer, but I never really thought that I could write the kind of stuff that I really enjoyed reading. Like, and if I did write it, I always wrote, like, white characters. I never, I, I don't know. I never thought that, hey, I can write a black character and it's just, oh, this character is there and they happen to be black and it kind of colors their experience, but the story, there's more to the story besides that, you know? Right. And I was very, I, I don't know, it was very inspiring to see that and, that's what kind of kickstarted me back into writing science fiction because I always felt like it. Well, well, for one, I always stuck to fantasy, and I didn't know that there were any black people who wrote science fiction. Like I just, I just didn't know. Right. So. And it kind of goes. And it kind of goes through. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say even on the covers, like even on the covers of some of the books, though, like the the recent ones have a black a black person on the covers or black hands or whatever, but even the older covers that of Octavia Butler's have white people on the cover, even though the character is black, so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, what I was going to say is it, it goes back to something that we discussed, you know, at length last last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, as far as, you know, representation. Because, you know, even before I made music, you know, I used to write stories, you know, during in middle school, uh, I actually wrote this. Uh, I wrote this series that I wrote called Chaotic Chronicles. Now, I was a big Sonic the Hedgehog fan, so all of my characters were like animal based. Okay, <laughs> they're all animal based. <laughs> but you know, it. You know, as I got older and I started, you know, I started kind of expanding out of that and wanting to to look at writing other, you know, other types, you know, the fact that I never really saw any, you know, any, you know, any black characters that were, you know, main characters, I guess they kind of, that you know, they they kind of influenced my perception as to what your prototypical hero or protagonist, you know, looks like, you know what I mean? You know, and, and as you said, you know, whenever you did have, you know, a person of color, you know, oftentimes they were the only they were the only person of color there, and they were never a primary character. They were always a secondary character. You know, someone who's gonna be who's there for a temporary purpose, or someone who just kind of like who plays the background to whoever the the protagonist is. And um, you know, it, it's part of the re- you know it's part of the reason that you know the, the Afrofuturism is such is so. I guess attractive to me now is, is now you get we're getting black protagonists, you know, we're we're getting represented in 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 sci-fi and in fantasy as people other than just side characters, you know. We're not we're not just there playing the background, you know. We're not we're not just there just to help the protagonist achieve something that he needs to complete his mission, you know what I mean? It's not, you know, we we're getting we're showing that that it's why you know that fantasy is a is a wide genre, and that anyone is capable. 
you know, that it can be yeah. it can be diverse. And that you know that's 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 super important. You know, we would all because we everyone you know this world is diverse and we all deserve, you know, to be able to be represented in the types of media that we can that we choose to consume. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of the um, the video game you were talking about the last show that we did. Uh, which one? The um, the Assassin's Creed. Oh, uh, yeah, Freedom Cry. Just seeing something like that is just very inspiring, seeing a different story. It's just very, it, I don't know, it means it means something. It may not, a lot of people may think, oh, it's just video games and it's just films, you know, and it's not that big of a deal, but it, but it is because for a long time we really haven't been able to see a whole lot of, you know, complicated representations of ourselves it's always these stereotypical simplistic characters and to see something like freedom cry is just amazing to me it is it is and and it's like they say you know perception is reality and you know we know that black you know one of the things that we saw that we discovered on on the last show we did was that you know, uh, black and Latino youth are the primary, you know, are the primary group that's playing video games and, and that are that are reading these novels and, and, and that are into this, you know, these, these different genres here. So it's kind of, you know, I find it pretty problematic when, you know, they're not finding any representation of themselves, you know what I mean? You know, that's, right. that's kind of what, what draws, because what often draws us to characters in certain genres is is to you know finding people that we can relate to, and I mean yeah you, you know I could you know I liked like if I use you know um, Tales of Symphonia is one of my favorite RPGs like I could relate to Lloyd you know on some level and I like the game but it was I couldn't I couldn't really you know I couldn't relate to him in the sense of oh I understand you know the struggles and whatnot you know what I mean right. And you know, I feel like you know that 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 having that type of representation, you know, helps, and and it can it is is one way that we can get more people uh, interested in the you know in this particular genre, and it's it's and it's another way to show that you know hey you know shoot we do this too, you know we can save the world, you know we can we can you know we can we can create these amazing. Um, Fantasy lands where X, Y, and Z happens and, and whatnot. You know, you know that's not. You know, this genre is not uh, as white male dominated as you know as 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 it seems to be. You know what I mean? That we're capable and we do create these worlds and create these characters and create these stories that have this. You know, that have depth to it. That, that you know, it's not just it's not just what you see when you <laughs> that we're not just all out here making Tyler Perry films, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, we're versatile. We're 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 complicated too. Exactly. I mean, and it, and what it and what it speaks to is showing that we too are human. You know, and that's that's right. that's a big that's a that's a that's a big 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 thing right there. I mean, that I I I feel like, you know, some people they may not understand exactly, you know, what I mean by what I say that. But you know, it just to be seen as a person of color and and human is is huge. 
you know, to showcase that, you know, that just like just like everyone else, you have you are complex. You have different, you know, you have all of these emotions, you have all of these opinions, you have all these views, you're capable of achieving a lot of the same things. You know, oftentimes uh uh black characters don't really get that kind of depth to it so that you know they you know, people can't always relate to them as much or people don't really think about them as much right and this you know this this helps you know having having this this particular genre this particular cultural movement helps <clears throat> That's why I think, um, that's why I consider it important. Yeah. I think I think that the more the 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 movement blows up and everything and we're having now we have Onyx Con and we have different cons that are, you know, well kind of cater to African Americans and minorities and other people of color and I think that it's I don't know, it's very inspiring for me to see more of us getting involved and it's okay for us to be like Alec Hardison. I don't know if you know who Hardison is. Do you know who Hardison is? Not at all. Oh my god, Brooks. You need to get you need to you need to get on this Netflix. It's the it's the black <laughs> dude on Leverage. <laughs> He's the I don't black even know dude what on that Leverage. Is. You don't know what Leverage is? Nope. I'm done with you. But <laughs> okay, it's on Netflix. Put it in the queue. Put it in your queue today. And it's um, it's uh, Hardison is the is the black hacker. He's the he's a he's a blur. He's a bleak. He um he was a foster kid and he was raised by um this this older lady and he was a he was kind of they were all criminals if you know leverage but. He was um, a master hacker. He was the geek, and he was he was the the computer guy of the group. He was just he was amazing, and I love Hardison. Love noted. <laughs> I'm gonna boot up my PS3 right now and put this in the put this in the queue so that yeah, next ahead, time around yeah, I can make sure. <laughs> Make sure, make sure, dude. I mean, you already know. I got like eight million things on Netflix. I I got it in my queue. I'll probably get around to leverage sometime next year. <laughs> dude, you gotta get. You got no. You gotta get to leverage. At least watch a couple episodes so you can hear him say, "It's the age of the geek, baby." <laughs> that's his. That's his line. That's his line. <laughs> you know, and it's it's and it. That's that's awesome. You know that that just that just kind of uh, triggered uh, that just kind of triggered the thought that to showcase that you know you know black, as black folks you know we we are just as diverse as and creative as as anybody else and you know the, I feel like the more this blows up the more this only helps that you know what I mean. I remember when yeah. I was younger I used to one of the things I always used to say is you know. How come you know? How come you know? How come the only movies black people putting out is this ignorant shit? You know, I used to say that for the longest, yeah. longest time. Like, how come we only making this ignorant shit and putting it out? Why is this, why is these TV shows? You know, why are these black characters all alike? What's up with this ignorant ass shit? And of course, this was young when I didn't really know shit. But 
we got older and, you know, just, you know, through the beauty of the Internet, of course, you know, it just goes to show that, shit, we just as creative as the next person, you know. It's not all it's not all, you know, geeky white white guys who are coming up with all these fantasy fantasy shows, these games, these you know, these ideas and whatnot. And, you know, it this just goes to show that, you know, this is a valid expression of blackness, you know? Yes. Having an interest in, in Steam and and cyborgs and, and all of that. Still there? Yep. <laughs> yeah, mad quiet on me. Yep. All right. Um, I was, I was I'm listening. Oh, okay. My, my <laughs> bad. I was over here uh, dropping the gospel. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all righty. Uh, it's 828 right now, and uh, our special guest will be calling in in about two minutes or so. Oh, it's 829 now. Wasn't really paying attention. Um, so this is what we're going to do. So... We're going to take a small music break, and uh, as when we come back, we should have our lovely ho- our lovely uh, guest for tonight, Miss Natasha Womack. She should be calling in. Um, if, she, if you're listening right now, feel free to call in. Um, we're about to take a small music break, though. Um, I kind of want to get to this. Kind of want to get to this interview, so I'm not. I'm not even going to play something that's like particularly long or, or whatnot. So um this right here is I'm gonna play that I'm gonna play that one track I told you about earlier, the Astro track. Uh this is Astro okay. Nome by Brandon Deshay. We'll be back on the breakbeat. Brandon Deshay, Eric Peach. I spent my days in and my nights out I'm a night owl, so I'm stargazing Shooting for the stars like it was the latest craze And always hitting the moon My aim's high, it's blatant Show me to the stage so I can show the crowd greatness And they can see a star and get to jumping like they're weightless To what a real baller is And maybe they'll see these guys like the moon They only look like they made a cheese They take the black hole route Cause they make it in the game But the thing is that the album never come out I got the Sun's hunger, my shine lasts longer Don't look me in the eye, cause you might go blind When you shine like high, can easily be mistaken for a North Star They follow me either way then, not a cosmonaut Obviously cause I'm not a fan of all of the boys I'm young, just a... Waiting for our rise to the top And we seem so patient But I don't got the patience I thank God for that great gift You waiting for the payslip? I'm late for my spaceship Face it, a failure I was never there What goes up must come down In my case don't ever expect me back There will be promise and the I expected that, act like my ship's made of porcelain They expect the crack but still wanna help the world Thought it doesn't hurt to help imagine my dreams 
never mind, you might hurt yourself, I work the health into a genre that's so sickly with music, I'm so picky, so picky, how they depict me, strictly showing you proof of why people are prone to be mad at me, okay, you're a star, but what's a star to a galaxy? I may be broken down, but never destroyed. Nothing in this life is out of reach for the... right here. I've got Noah also here. And uh very privileged to uh to bring on our featured guest for the night. Uh uh Noah, you wanna you wanna take it from here? Okay, yeah, I have a um I'm gonna just read her bio from the website. So here we have the author Itasha Womack. She is an she's an author, filmmaker, dancer and futurist. Her book, Afrofuturism, The World of Black Sci-Fi and Fantasy, explores black sci-fi culture, bleaks, black comics, and the legacy of futurism. She is author of the cli- <clears throat> sorry. She is author of the critically acclaimed book, Post Black, How a New Generation is Redefining African American Identity, and 2012, The Book of, book of Rayla. She is also the co-editor of the hip-hop anthology, Beats, Rhymes, Rhyme, and Life, what We Love and Hate About Hip Hop. Her films include Love Short, of which she was the writer and producer, and The Engagement, which she directed. She's a graduate of Clark Atlanta University and studied media management at Columbia College in Chicago, and she resides in the Windy City. So, so how are you tonight? I've, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling pretty fantastic. Uh, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Very, very much appreciate it. So um, just a couple minutes ago, we just, uh, we kind of discussed a a little bit of, uh, I guess, of where we got the idea to do the show from, and we kind of briefly kind of glossed over 
um, <clears throat> excuse me, a definition of uh, Afrofuturism. So I guess to to start this off, I guess we can just ask you straight up, like, how how do you define uh, Afrofuturism? Uh, well, I like to say that it's the intersection between the imagination, technology, uh, black culture, and liberation. Um, there's some mysticism involved sometimes as well. I think it's also fun to look at it from the perspective of where the future meets the past um, in terms of, you know, looking at uh, black culture as this kind of time travel dynamic, which we see sometimes in music which we see sometimes in a lot of the Afrofuturistic art. And, you know, of course, other people like to just look at it as science fiction with a, a black twist or, or black cultural references or fantasy for that matter. So, so that's it uh, in a nutshell. But you see it evident in music, whether you're looking at the technology that we use to create hip-hop uh, or house music or whether you're looking at a sunrise who was a pioneering jazz artist who talked about science uh, and music and telepathy, whether you're looking at Parliament Funkadelic and the Mothership and their sci-fi tropes, or if you're looking at literature and visual arts and the just the use of the imagination in black cultures to facilitate change. So it can run the gamut. Um, there are also theorists who like to use it as a way of deconstructing race as well or race theory. But I think in short, probably the the a fun way to view it is through the through the lens of the imagination. You know, looking at the imagination and how you can use that to transform culture. All right, awesome. Noah? Um, I, I, my, the question I've been waiting to ask is: You said that in your um, your Bitch Magazine interview that Afrofuturism is a feminist space. So why do you think that? <clears throat> I'm sorry, I have a cold, y'all. Why do you why do you think why do you believe this, and how important is it that women of color have these spaces within Afrofuturism? Well, Alondra Nelson. Um, who did a lot of, uh, who created the first Afrofuturism listserv and website. Um, she identified Afrofuturism as a feminist space for me when I interviewed her for the book. And I thought it was really intriguing. But ultimately, when you look at various women who identify as Afrofuturists or who we put into the Afrofuturism canon, whether you're talking about Octavia Butler or you're talking about a Grace Jones or you're talking about Erica Badu or Janelle Monet, I think they all recreate womanhood in their own unique ways. There is no one way to be a woman. There's no one way to express your femininity. Um, and they can be very unique within themselves uh, and at the same time still have kind of a shared vision and a shared form of expressing uh, in that they're authentically themselves. So when I, I say that it's a feminist space, it's in part because they, you know, many women who are Afrofuturists are 
defining themselves for themselves, and they're not doing it to, say, counter the many narratives that men have created, nor are they trying to deny it at the same time. It's a a very open thing, and I think that's refreshing. I think it's refreshing, and I think it can be very helpful for many people. Agree, 110%. Yeah, when I... Hmm. I'm sorry. Oh. When I had read the, when I had read Octavia Butler, it was just kind of like <clears throat> I had never read her before the past couple of years, and it had just kind of opened my eyes. And it was it was different seeing a different representation of what a black woman could be, and the things that that she some of her characters went through. And I mean, you never really get those kind of visions about, you know, what black people are going to do in the future. It's almost like, you know, they kind of go to the future and we don't exist in that future. (laughs) So, yeah. And that's why, you know, creating stories and creating visuals, you know, referencing either black culture, um, particularly stories that deal with the future are so important because, Oddly enough, many people look at these stories and they feel, well, if I don't see any black people in, you know, futuristic films or futuristic stories, then maybe they're trying to say that we're not a part of that. And, you know, what sort of message does that send if you're not uh, included into even the fictitious future? So I think it's really important for a lot of creators, particularly those who are excited about Afrofuturism, to create that new vision, um, to give an alternate visual, and then to also give another perspective or, or lens around what the future can look like. Um, right now we have a lot of really dystopian movies out there. <laughs> the future is a bit bleak or it's about struggle. And, you know, I mean, those kinds of stories have their place. Yeah, I just think that it's, it's fun and then very important to also show the diversity in culture and show new ways of operating and new ways of living. And I think we can pull from a lot of things within uh, black cultures and other cultures as well to help create that lens for storytelling. What, what, what would you, or what would your response be to certain pe- to people out here who would who would say that? You know, it's just a you know, it's just a movie. It's just a book. It's just a video game. You know, we don't you don't need to think so. You know, you don't need to look so deep into whether or not you know uh, there are characters of color represented in in these uh in these in these uh, in these platforms. Um, well, I would say that I think it's very odd if it's just a movie or it's just a book that so many of them don't have people of color in it if that's all that it is, you know, if you're using your imagination and we can, you know, think of uh, all kinds of, you know, fuzzy creatures and futuristic innovations, but then can't imagine a person of color in the future, I would say that's a little problematic uh, if it's it's so minimal. Um, And you can go into how intentional that is or not, but that's not really the point. I think The larger point is that as creators who have the space and the imagination to tell these stories, that it's, you know, important to do so because it does make a difference. 
you would be surprised how many people you can talk to. And, you know, the second you say, you know, black person in science fiction, you know, there's a, a, a cloud in their head because maybe they don't associate black people with the idea of science fiction. Or if you talk about black people in the future, I mean, I've heard various people make jokes of, oh, you mean we're in the future too? You know, as why would they think that? Because they maybe they don't see those kinds of images. Or, you know, just the, the very stark emotional responses that people have when they see images of black people in the future. And I'm referring to different artistic renditions or comic books and, and all kinds of images that people are putting together, and they're looking at it, and they're thinking, well, you know, wow, this is an amazing image. Why haven't I seen this before? Um, it, it, it's kind of funny. Um, I really like the cover of my book, Afrofuturism, because, one, it was designed by John Jennings, uh, but, two, it has this it's, – it's a really interesting um, image because it pulls from – it, it looks like it could be very futuristic in one sense because it has some cyborg elements, but then it looks like it could be referencing um, maybe ancient African cultures as well because of some of the, the decorative elements. And then you have kind of this third eye, which, of course, is a symbolism, a symbol for mysticism, and it's very obvious that the woman who's on the cover is of African descent. And it's such a compelling image because it's bridging time it's bridging space, it's bridging cultures in many ways, and it could be both futuristic and, you know, be a throwback to the past at the same time, but then be very present. Well, those sorts of images, you know, evoke an emotional response, and it's one that a lot of people can look at and think, oh, wow, you know, I connect with this image. But then the second thought becomes, well, gee, why haven't I seen this before? Some of the images created by Corey and Craig Stevenson was before my Rayla 2212 book were showcased at the Race and Space conference. And I asked them to create different art pieces that would demonstrate how a new space settlement was created. You know, so you had different people who you had some robots, and then you had people who were of African descent who were astronauts and early citizens and who, um, you know, were helping to build the society, and you had images reflecting this. Well, many of the people in the audience, when they were looking at the images, they were, they were amazed by them, in part because of the aesthetic and, you know, how well it was put together, but also in part because they had never, they had not seen images of people of African descent creating a new society in space. And, you know, I can go on and on with, you know, really interesting images that I've come across. But, you know, it's just a matter of creating these sorts of things and connecting with audiences who are interested. Um, and now that you have, we have so much technology so our disposal, we're able to really showcase these images. And for people who are interested, they get to see them. You know, if it's not your thing, that's fine. It doesn't have to be. But for me, Afrofuturism is, you know, most important because it can just trigger the imagination. And once you trigger the imagination, you can inspire people to do all kinds of things. 
you know, they can see beyond their block. They can see beyond what they've been told they can be. And we don't know what that can lead to. But the hope is is that it leads to something that helps humanity. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Uh, And I'm just glad that you, the two of you, just have an interest in it and that Noah was so into the book because, you know, it just shows that there's a connection and that, you know, some of these ideas are, are important to people. So I can go on and on, so you guys have to interject when you can. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like you were dropping some some, some real knowledge, so I just sat back and listened. Sat back and listened. <laughs> but I was going to ask you, do you believe that then that Afrofuturism can be used as a tool to kind of educate people of color about science or technology or history even? Oh, absolutely. And there's, you know, a lot of people who are working on that now, but just in terms of some of the stories, um, even my Rayla 2212 book that's coming out uh, next month, the main character time travels, and she goes into different periods of history. You know, at one point she's a, an East African queen. You know, at another point she's dealing with some of the um, activist work you know, in 1970s America, and then, you know, she she travels to some other spaces too. Well, that was a fun space for me to look at these characters in history. But for other people, I think that there's so many cultural references in a lot of the work that's out that, you know, it always leads to, to more lessons in history. Um, Kamal McShayle has a a comic book called Captain Kachela, which I really like because the, the main character is a black woman who's actually from another world. She comes to Earth and, you know, she's trying to make these adjustments, but she has Indinkla symbols, I, I think, in in some of uh, in some of her costuming. And I think that's really you know, and Dinkra symbols, you know, obviously if you see those, then that will lend itself to people wanting to learn more about that culture or more about that history. And, you know, there's other people who make a lot of freak references to the Yoruba Orishas and in various comic books and stories too. So, I mean, there's research there. And, you know, there's a host of people who are really looking at how you can use art in Afrofuturism to teach math or to teach science. And uh, Natrice Gaskins, who's in Atlanta, is doing a lot of research around that now, particularly looking at uh, different artistic, different artists who use patterns and and uh, even, yes, patterns primarily in their work and using that to talk about African fractals or, or helping kids to connect with math or even to look at metaphors. So it's it's probably one of the ideal ways to facilitate a lot of interdisciplinary learning because Afrofuturism pulls on culture, but it pulls on philosophy, it pulls on art, it pulls on history. And then you have your science and math elements too. Right. One of the things that I really and one of the things that I really like about it um is that 
it gives people of color the opportunity to really control the narrative as far as you know what how the story how our stories are being told you know it gives us it gives us, it puts the power in our hands <clears throat> excuse me the power in our hands to to use art and film and and technology and to tell our stories the way that we believe that they should be told yeah, I agree, and that's not a new desire. Um, you right. know, a lot of people have been working on that for, you know, a very long time in various ways, but unique now because of the technology that we have and because of the social media, you can facilitate connections quicker and some of those cultural productions easier. Agreed. So just uh, this question actually just popped in my head just now. Um what what do, what what do you think uh what what do you think makes i guess um cyborgs or or the use of cyborgs specifically you know so attractive in 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 uh these afrofuturist pieces that's interesting uh i think cyborgs are just very common in science fiction in general mm-hmm. um one thing that I think Janelle Monet, you know, her character, Cindy, her Cindy character, I think, uh, is actually an android, or you can say a cyborg. And I think it's just another way of looking at aliens or otherness. You know, one thing that a lot of Afrofuturist theorists like to look at is the alien as a metaphor for this idea of otherness or being different and how that how that difference is uh is complicated. You know, some people look at say the experience of black people in America um and the as a metaphor, not a metaphor but a reality that runs in line with the alien narrative, you know, how aliens are, are brought to a foreign land and and some of the experiences that aliens have, you know, are very similar to that of, say, the narrative of African people who were brought to North and South America. And if you look at the term like illegal alien, you know, that's often used, you know, it's this inference that people who are, are coming into the country, you know, those who are undocumented workers, like they're born, they're different, um, they must be eliminated, you know, in the same all of these ideas are the same narratives that you see in movies about aliens. You know, they're here to take over, they're here to dominate, um, or they're so misunderstood, you know, all of these things. So, you know, I think the cyborg probably plays into the same idea, you know, this concept of, you know, whether it's merging man and machine or, you know, just a, a... intelligent life in and of itself, you know, what is this? What does it mean? Are they really human? (laughs) Um, And I guess it's just maybe an updated idea around otherness, you know. So instead of looking at the alien, we look at kind of these man-made creations. But I think it's probably significant because race, as we know it, the way we categorize people is a man-made creation as well. So... It makes for an interesting discussion. That's interesting. I actually never 
drew that connection before. That's wow. My mind's kind of blown right now. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's what Afrofuturism does. (laughs) That's wow. Okay. (laughs) Hey Noah, you got something? You got you got you got got another one. I was saying, I was just thinking about, you know, the conversation we had about Janelle Monet the other night as far as, like, how I fell in love with the world she created. At first, like, once again, I'm, I'm not really surprised, and I'm kind of surprised at all the stuff that I just, I never thought about before. <laughs> like, I, I, I got to Janelle Monet like, super late. Like, I had seen some of her stuff maybe, like, three or four years ago, but I never really paid attention to it. And I'm not going to lie. It was because Diddy's name was on it, and I really just don't really like him or care for him like that. So uh, Diddy's a genius. You have to respect that. So I was just kind of – I never really was into him. Like, he was always kind of flashy to me. So I was like, I'm not really into him like that. I was just – and then I looked at it again – I looked at her again a couple of years ago, and – I don't know. I just fell in love with Janelle Monet, and it's that "Mini Moons" is like my favorite song of all time of hers. Just the mini movie, and just I immediately saw the parallels between the androids and black people, as far as you know, being oppressed <clears throat> or misunderstood, and then she falls in love with a human, and the whole the whole entire backstory, the whole entire world she created. It's just so dope to me, and the fact that she, like, I'm, I'm a real, I'm really into fantasy and sci-fi. So the fact that she took the time to create a really intricate picture and then a really detailed world was just amazing to me. It was amazing. It's an it's an amazing backdrop to have to the music. So yeah, and it's it's interesting because um, quite a few Afrofuturists or people we now call Afrofuturists created these interstellar worlds as a backdrop for their music. You have, you know, George Clinton in Parliament. They did the same thing. Um, And, well, Sun Ra, his narrative, I mean, he created a myth as well. He said that he was from, you know, another planet. And a lot of his music was based around him being an alien. Uh, or at least him being from another world and trying to enlighten people. And, uh, you know, there's other groups like Drexia. They're out of Detroit, and they do, I would say, sort of a techno music. That, it, But the, the backdrop for it is that they are the descendants of, you know, people who were, thrown overboard during the transatlantic slave trade and that there was some kind of underwater, they emerged to become this underwater society. And the music that they created was the music that Drexia made. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of this idea of using this story uh, as a backdrop for music, I think is kind of unique to Afrofuturism, actually, particularly with so many of the elements that they try to incorporate where it's all about either transcending difference or creating, you know, how do you create peace and harmony? I would say Earth, Wind, and Fire did something very similar. You know, they talked about love in most of their music, but 
it was kind of this universalism uh, that harked back to a time of peace or that, in their case, you know, they used so many backdrops where they had the pyramids in the back, you know, as if that was a, a, a golden era. So this idea of storytelling is kind of common among Afrofuturists, and I feel as if, you know, Janelle Monet is just building on that aesthetic. Agreed, a hundred. Um, we actually have a caller on the line. Oh, our cool. Good friend, our good friend Raina from the Rose to Reality blog. Raina, what's going on? Hey guys, um, sorry hey, I'm Raina. driving right now, so if you hear anything in the background, again I'm sorry I'm driving. Um, <laughs> I was um, listening to you guys. I didn't catch the entire conversation because, unfortunately, I was at a scientist dinner. Um, so um, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to make a comment, I guess. I had a question, but I lost it. And I was just saying um, that, you know, I think what's um, really interesting about mainstream sci-fi is that it borrows a lot from, the, from minority struggles. You know what I mean? without depicting any minorities, you know? And I think that it's it's, um, really uh, disingenuous to do that and then to turn around and say, but why do we have to have people of color, you know, or why does that matter, you know, having people of color in there, you know? So that was just my little comment. Yeah, interesting point. Yeah, interesting point, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, this idea around otherness is a a human struggle, you know, the idea of how do you create peaceful societies when you have perceived differences, you know, that's something that, you know, we as a, a human entity have been dealing with for a very long time, so... Yeah, it it is interesting that it manifests as kind of this alien concept uh, that we see frequently. But, you know. Certainly, but I think when you, especially when you look at things like X-Men, you know what I mean, for example, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, even some of the other films that are out there, they borrow heavily from, uh, like, or or take, um, take for example, um, what's that movie? Oh, it's that really horrible movie with Jude Law. And Ethan Hawke, you know the one uh, where like it's like the future and like they're like you know people are genetically modified, but like oh Ethan the somehow. island, yeah. Think about the island. No, that's not island. No. Oh. oh not okay. Island. It's the movie with like Uma Thurman and like okay, uh, everyone uh, knows what I'm talking about. I feel like I do, but okay. I don't. Okay. Well, okay. Like for example, it's that movie. You know, it's just you know, heavily playing on the theme of discrimination, you know, on the basis of, of genetic identity or, gene- or you know, perceived, you know, traits, you know, and all that type of stuff. Like, a lot of these movies borrow heavily from minority struggles. And I feel like, and I feel like um, you know, it's disingenuous for them to turn around and say, oh, but, you know, race doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah. You know, Gene, Gene Roddenberry knew that race mattered. That's why he tried to put, you know, black people in prominent, and, you know, at least, you know, 
Uhura, you know what I mean, was a prominent member of the crew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, it's great that people can recognize that they can tell, you know, have their perspective on their stories as well. Yeah. So, you know, you can create your own tale about the future. Well, yeah. Agreed. Of, Agreed. You know, I was just I was just saying in right. general, that's why I have a problem with, you know, one of the problems I have with mainstream sci-fi. But I do, I do enjoy sci-fi. It's just, I... When I that's hear a, people talk about it, it's an interesting dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah, it is an interesting dichotomy. My computer's freezing. Um, okay, my computer's freezing. This is awesome. Uh, Noah, did you did you have um do you have the next question? Because I can't pull it up for some reason. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm sorry. I'm looking at these pictures of your um by um, Corey and Craig Stevenson, and they are just amazing. Oh, thanks. They're really cool guys. So, yeah, they did come up with some, some cool pieces. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I was flipping through them while I was uh, listening, and I was just, like, blown away. And I love your cover, too, the John Jennings. And actually, looking at your book, I looked at it I, when I first, because I ordered the book, the, the the day it came out. <laughs> okay. Oh wow! Thank you. I I saw it and I was like, oh, I need that. And so <laughs> I was I ordered the book and and I had Amazon Prime too. So yeah, I got my book like a couple days after it came out and I read it like five times that week. And so oh wow, I looked at the cover and I was like, oh my god, I know this art. Who is this? And I flipped into the book, and it was John Jennings. I almost lost my mind. So, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so your book took me back to, because, um, um, like, I would say, like, what, four years ago, Black Comics mm-hmm. came out. So, um, right. You know, John Jennings' book, Black Comics. And I had seen it on one of my Black Eat websites that I can't remember right now. And I was mm-hmm. like, I want this book. But at the time, I was, like, really young, at 19, 20 or whatever, and I didn't have the money to get the book. So I was like, oh, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to get it. And then I forgot about it. I saw your book cover, and I think I bought that a couple weeks later. <laughs> oh, wow. So. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, I have black comics. I'm actually uh, looking at it right now. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing book, and... And, you know, there's quite a few artists who contributed to it who are contributing to the Rayla Project. Um, there's Ashley Wood. She's doing a piece for me. There's, um, well, I mentioned Kamal Michele. He's doing a Rayla piece for me. And there's Shauna Lane. He's doing a piece. And Karan Grant, you know, is doing a piece. So if you go to a lot of the Comic-Cons, you'll be familiar with some of the names that I mentioned. But um, there's some pretty heavy-hitting artists, and they got on the Rayla 2212 bandwagon, and I get to showcase some of their work at the FC2E2. So I'm happy about that. Awesome. Oh, and, uh, and there's a young lady named Tariah who's interning with me who did a piece as well I'm pretty excited about. So. Okay. Well, just to switch just to switch gears a little bit, um, why don't you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about uh, the book? You know, since it's getting ready to come out, in, uh, I think you said next month. Um, like, what oh, yeah, inspired sure. this? 
Hey, when's my yeah, well, you can write actually, this? Oddly enough, when I was working on the Afrofuturism book, I I really wanted I, I just got an idea for a story and you know, it dealt with some concepts I was working with at the time. One, of course, I'm researching Afrofuturism and putting that book together. Two, I had just come off of the post black tour, so I was really thinking about this idea of people of color in the future and, and what kind of fiction based story I could tell. And, you know, then three, I had you know, just an interest in some of these, you know, time travel soul dimension elements that I've been reading about. So I came up with a, a character, uh, and I named her Rayla Ilmatic, and I placed her on a planet 200 years into the future uh, that was called Planet Hope. And essentially, she's a third-generation person on this planet, and the book begins where the, the planet has uh, been taken over by a, a dictator of sorts, and Rayla is part of a rebel crew that's trying to right a lot of the wrong, but she has to do a bit of time travel to do so. And, you know, it, it takes her into other worlds, into other spaces, but essentially it's a story about love. It's a love story, um, kind of a love triangle, but also deals with this element of who am I? Because as she goes to these different worlds and spaces, she, you know, um, embodies other lifetimes and other experiences and trying to anchor herself in present time awareness becomes just very, very critical. So that's one of the, the, the key points of the book itself without just totally giving it all away. And I, I had a lot of fun putting it together. Um, the first image for that was created by Jonathan Woods and uh, Ted Crowder. And Rayla started tweeting, I would say, at the end of uh, 2011. I released an e-book called Rayla, no, called 2212 Book of Rayla, which was a, an introduction to her story. And we did a couple of events, including a sci-fi tea party. And now we're ready for the full-fledged project. Um, but one cool thing, the character Rayla did in part inspire the Race and Space Conference that was at Duke University. Uh, William Darity, who had one of the, the African, African-American uh, history departments there, was a Rayla fan. He followed her on Twitter. She liked the e-book. And we, um, uh, and we, along with some others, put together a conference on how to create equity and new space settlements. Because, you know, if you're paying attention to space news, you know, one of the uh, you know, some of the next moves are, uh, for at least those in the, the space frontier, you know, include going to Mars, include mining asteroids, asteroids include, you know, creating other kinds of space settlement uh, beyond Earth. And, you know, a lot of people are actively involved in that. So, <laughs> so what was once science fiction uh, is quickly becoming a reality. And, Rayla's world, you know, 200 years away from where we are today, but uh, it was kind of a fun space because she is a woman of color, uh, and yet she's in a world that is very different from ours. And I, I just think that it, it was a, a fun narrative for me. It was a fun way to explore history, a fun way to 
to wrestle with some other, you know, philosophical questions as well. But ultimately, just a, a cool platform for telling a story. Awesome. Uh, how much how, is Rayla, um, what's the word, uh, she modeled after you in any way, shape, form, or fashion? Or was this created kind of? Oh, where did she come from? Yeah, like, oh, I yeah, I asking, like, do you have any, some like, was she based off of you? Was it just an idea that you kind of worked with? Or, you know, how did that, how did you go about creating, I guess, her, her, her being, you know, her having the personality and all the char- characteristics that made her the character that, you know, we'll be reading about? Uh, well, I think part of it was, well, is she based on me? Not consciously, right? <laughs> uh, that was not the intention, but I'm sure, you know, most characters that writers create, you'll see a bit of them in it because they created it, right? So you kind of can't totally get around that part. Uh, but I think for the character herself, I thought this idea of vulnerability being a strength was really interesting. And, you know, she kind of wrestles with this whole concept of how femininity functions in a space where she has to be very um, assertive, aggressive, and, you know, fight wars and take down people. You know, what is the strength in, in being open to love? What is the the beauty in being, you know, receptive and open or, you know, a a host of other qualities that we might describe as feminine, you know, what is the role or the strength of being intuitive? You know, what are the strengths that you can pull from your actual emotions? And for people who who really get into maybe feminine uh, expressions, as it relates to, say, spirituality or people who are into, say, goddess culture or, you know, any of that, you know, I think you'll you'll just see that that's uh, an idea that's wrestled with a lot. And it, it reworked itself through her, I think in part because I was doing some research in that area as well. So it was kind of cool to see how she really, how she dealt with those things. Because and so maybe in that respect, some of that might tie into me because I was doing a lot of reading around those ideas. Um, outside of that, I think she she goes to a lot of places that I just personally thought were interesting. Um, East African society in say you know 11th century, 10th century, 9th century are just kind of intriguing to me because I didn't know a great deal about it. Um, well, a lot of times when we talk about Africa, we tend to talk about the, you know, Northern Africa, Western Africa, or, you know, Southern Africa. Not so much a lot of the things that were happening around the Horn, you know, unless we're talking about Ethiopia or maybe the mm-hmm. Nubians to some extent. But, you know, it seems to be a lot of mystery around it. And then, or at least not a lot of active history that's taught, let's put it that way. And mm-hmm. so... For me, you know, the character gets to go to a lot of worlds that as a former aspiring anthropologist, archaeologist, (laughs) I can kind of play with 
as backdrop for story. Awesome. So, you, um, I just have a random question because I'm looking at this Days of Future Past article. And Mm -hmm. do you get to see any of the, um, any, do you get to travel a lot and see any exhibitions? Like, um, I know there was one at the Studio Museum in Harlem called The Shadow Took Shape. Yeah, I've kind of participated in, in quite a few things. Um, I was in Philadelphia uh, with King Britt when he put together an Afrofuturism showcase uh, involving, you know, several DJs who were demonstrating they knew innovations in, in technology and music. As a matter of fact, um, next month, April 13th, uh, he's curating uh, an event called Moon Dance which will be at the Museum of Modern Art, uh, their PS1 center. And the, he's showcasing, you know, DJs, including Hank Shockley of, you know, Public Enemy fame, along with H. Prism and, and several others. Um, I think um, Ursula Rucker is going to be presenting, you know, poetry, and then you have dance and um Professor Alondra Nelson, along with, well, myself, who will be moderating a panel on Afrofuturism. But in short, you know, that's one one big event I participated in. I was a part of the Astro Blackness event that was in L.A. at Loyola Marymount University. Um, John Jennings was one of the, the organizers for that affair, and that was really cool because there were a lot of Afrofuturist authors there and um you know, people who, I mean, Tenenary Dua was there as well as Nnedi Okorafor and, you know, many others. And you had people who were able to share about their experiences of work in sci-fi and so forth. And, and you know, I've done, I guess I've been to quite a few places where I got to talk about Afrofuturism and, and see a lot of work. So it, it's an exciting time. Um, what, where's the location for that uh, event that you mentioned was happening next month, the Moon Dance, or uh, oh, where was that happening? That's going to be at the museum, the museum of Modern Art. Uh, their PS1 uh, entity, which I believe is based in Queens, and I can pull up okay. the address and have it for you. Yeah, but uh, if you go to my my Twitter site, you know, just Yatasha Womack, you know, I pretty much post it every day. Um, but I will pull up that exact address for you and have it to you at least by the end of the show. All right, awesome, because I definitely I, I might need to make my way up there for that. Um, oh, yeah, I, I actually just got uh, I got a question just sent to me from someone who's listening. Uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. it's, it's different from the topic uh, from what we were talking about, but uh, here's the question. <clears throat> She says, throughout history, various races have been oppressed and later overcome oppression. Black authors and artists are allowed to express how black people are portrayed in the Afrofuturism movement. Do, uh, do you feel, do, does the author feel blacks in the future will also move past our past? Yeah. I mean, I think that's happening now in many ways. Okay. And when I say past our past, not in the sense of disavowing it and, you know, saying, hey, whatever, for that, we're on to something new. But in terms of, you know, just taking the strength 
from that experience and not feeling like the narrative is, you know, going to repeat itself, you know, one where, you know, there's this uh, kind of dystopian element to it. Okay, awesome. There's another one here, and I'm trying to make sure I'm reading this right. Uh, since race is a concept constructed by man, and now we define ourselves in terms of what we accept is constantly changing, will we change how our race shapes our sense of self in the future? I think so, because I think at some point uh, we won't be categorizing by race. You know, race is what's kind of enforced through law and force and violence and <laughs> Most of other things to to say, you know, that one group was had access to resources and another group did not. You know, at least when it comes to black and white, you know, that was specifically um, created to justify the transatlantic slave trade and, and some of the things that came out of it. So, yeah, do I think and and so obviously people have been fighting to break that down for for quite a long time. So I think, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think. I would hope that a lot of the the power dynamics we associate with race, uh, I expect that they won't won't be in place uh, very long. All right, awesome. Um, no, did you have another? Did you have something? Do you have another question? Because uh, uh, I, I got like wanted to hold on. <laughs> That's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like I'm like trying to pick around them because I want to. I know we still have like a little bit more uh, we, time. We have plenty of time. Plus, we got the podcast. We can we can get to we can get around to everything. Um, yes, uh, if we jump back, and I guess this can kind of be a, a nice little segue into one of the other things I want uh, definitely want us to talk about tonight. Um, we have uh, this question here: How important is it that? Afrofuturism become a safe space for people of color who don't fit into a narrowly defined box of blackness. Um, I think it's I think it's very important because people have it's a a way to think about defining yourself for yourself and not having to fit into a particular box. I think Afrofuturism just by the very nature of some of the ideas that contemplate uh, compels that kind of reevaluation and where a person can feel feel as if they can redefine and express themselves as they so choose without feeling pressures one way or the other. So I think it's a total safe space to do that. I think I think that that concept could apply not just to race but to sexuality as well as far as it being mm-hmm. a safe space simply because people can be who they want to be and and there's not these rigid no there's not these rigid notions or ideas of what what makes a woman and what makes a man and that was one thing that I liked about the chapter in your book the divine feminine in space that was my. That was actually like I think my favorite chapter in the book, and the one I flipped through, besides the um, the African Cosmos for Modern Mermaids. Those two chapters were my favorite chapters in the book because I felt I felt that like you could apply that 
there's so many ideas that we have of what makes a a man a man or what makes a woman a woman and and, and what's the proper behavior or proper etiquette for a woman or a man or a girl or a boy. And I think that the idea that, you know, exploring exploring femininity and exploring different expressions of masculinity outside of the frames that we're given is a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm glad you really, you know, like that chapter because I thought that was one of the key aspects of Afrofuturism, to be honest with you, you know, that level of expression and fluidity. Um, And to me, you know, Afrofuturism, when you look at femininity, it, in my opinion, probably is a genre that deals with that in probably one of the more holistic ways uh, compared to other genres because, you know, it's a, a genre where men very much embrace their feminine sides as well and it's not really a big issue and where women, you know, can do the same. You know, the idea of looking at, again, intuition, you know, emotion, um, the idea of some of the, the strengths in, in creativity or receptiveness or, um, you know, the the power of the subconscious, all things that are talked about in the, the more feminine context, I think that Afrofuturism kind of champions that all day long, whether you're looking at music or you're looking at, again, literature or uh, looking at it as a, a basis for a uh, process for change. I think that those are are qualities that are at the forefront. Awesome. What? Oh, yeah, no, got really uh, <laughs> it's, uh, for anyone who's listening in uh, via via the Blog Talk website or if you're on the phone, uh, feel free uh, to call in 310-982-4273. Um, we have a little over a half hour, half hour left in the show, and we have a lot of callers on the line, mostly listen, mostly listeners. Um, we have a lot of people tuning in tonight. This is awesome. But uh, if you have any questions uh, for Ms. Womack or for either of us or just maybe a comment on the subject, definitely feel free um, Feel free to call in, and uh, we'll definitely try to get you on while we still have a little over a half hour uh, left of the show. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I definitely wanted to ask a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't had the 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 luck of being able to read either of you know any of your uh, books just yet, but I definitely plan on ordering them, you know, at some point over the next couple of days, so I can definitely get my hands on them. Um, I was oh, kind of cool. curious as to, um, I guess, uh, what your. I wanted to talk a little bit about black geek culture because I, I saw that one of your books was was about that, and I never. Uh, I haven't read it, so I don't. I'm not sure myself if you know what I ask or anything I ask has been covered or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely wanted to kind of get uh, see uh, kind of what some of your thoughts were on, you know, that maybe this <clears throat> um, as far on, on this what seems to be this passive, um, or I guess I'll frame it like this: Do you believe that there is, you know, uh, some passive 
racism and sexism that takes place in mainstream geek culture? Well, it probably happens in a lot of places, uh, not just mainstream geek culture, but I think that one of the things that's really cool is that you do have people really asserting themselves in the space uh, between a lot of the blurred chats or uh, what you call bleaks or, you know, black geek sites and, and Twitter handles and conversations. So I think there's an acknowledgement uh, amongst people who are either sci-fi fans or just, you know, uber techies that they don't always see maybe their fate included into that culture. But I think that's kind of it, – the conversation is there, let's put it that way. And what's probably more important than anything else is that you do have, you know, a large number of, you know, black people who are engaged in what we call geek culture. So I think that's to be, you know, kind of championed, recognized, and celebrated, especially since it kind of comes on the tail of, you know, what was once, what we used to call gangster rap or maybe this hyper-masculine image that's put out there a lot, uh, to have this, you know, geek image now become kind of uh, popular or a cool fashion aesthetic is interesting, you know, on the one hand, but what's more important is that it celebrates intelligence or it celebrates being a... I don't know if hyper excited is the, the phrase to use, but it just celebrates people who are really, you know, knowledgeable about certain areas, whether they're uh, whether they're tech geeks, whether they're basketball geeks, whether they're comic book geeks, whatever it is. Just having this body of knowledge and wanting to connect with people, you know, is, is something that they're excited about. I mean, you know, not so very long ago, a lot of people who do what we now call, you know, geek culture and we're so proud of, you know, they would get beat up for it. Um, <laughs> they would have to deal with a lot of pressures and frustrations from their friends and associates, you know, hide under the cover to look at their comic books or, you know, feel like they have to sneak away with friends to talk about their rock collections and their, you know, interest in, you know, photographing bugs. I mean, now there's more of a space where that's cool, probably because technology is so popular and you have all these tech companies, many of which are getting, you know, some major venture capitalist funding. So it's seen as a, a way out, maybe. Um, it's seen as viable, you know, as viable as becoming um, other things that were really, you know, celebrated or at least that you saw a lot of images and say, when looking at entertainers or athletes or, or politicians, you know, those have always kind of been celebrated and you saw a lot of faces in the media uh, representing that, and maybe not so much other areas. So I think that it's, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, it's exciting on the one hand. I just think it's incredibly interesting when you have people wearing T-shirts that says black nerd. I mean, that is certainly a culture shift. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, it's you know it's fascinating and it's exciting as well. Okay, uh, we actually have another caller. Actually, this is Raina. Raina's coming back on. Uh, Raina, what's going on? Damn it! I don't forgot my question again. But no, um, you are over two tonight. Like, 
Let me let me <laughs> let me mute myself and I'll just kind of let you know when I'm ready to speak. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um where was that? Oh, okay. Uh, I remember my question. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay. Um, this is just this is this is just a question. This there's not a a, wrong, a right or a wrong answer to this. But um, the question is, um, do you think that that writers or you know, uh, you know, producers in, in the genre of Afrofuturism have any responsibility to um, make sure that particularly what science they present is accurate because this may or may not be the only or um, the, the, the first exposure or the only exposure that some people get to science. And, you know, when you consider how scientific literacy in, in general is low, but particularly in communities of color, like, what do you think about that? No, I don't think they do because, you know, when you're a storyteller or producer, your priority is the story. Okay. So if you're you're kind of working out of your imagination, then you tell a fantastic story in a very fantastic way. Just because we don't have the science to explain it doesn't mean that it's not possible. Yeah, I mean, if that were the case, I mean, 80% of the films, that we call science fiction films, um, you know, we kind of have to toss in the trash. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I was just, I, it was just a question in general. So, yeah, I mean, I think so it's an interesting question. I know when it comes to a lot of science fiction books, you know, one of the, um, one of the ways in which they're, they're judged is, is the reality of the science that's used. So that mm-hmm. heavily applies in some of the literature sometimes. Um, but, right. Just in general, no, because it's the fact that you create something incredibly fantastic that inspires someone to create the technology to get to that point. No, so, I, I understand that. That makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't see movies about people on other planets. Um, you know, maybe people wouldn't be so hyped about trying to create the technology to get to one. Or, you know, if we weren't contemplating the idea of life and the great beyond, you know, we wouldn't create the technology to look out and see if there's life in the great beyond. So the imagination, you know, stimulates ideas that lead to innovation and invention. That's why, so, that's why I talk about Afrofuturism in the context of the imagination so much. Right. Because you know, it just makes a big difference. You know, one thing I like to say a lot is the fact that Martin Luther King was a, a Trekkie. He was a fan of Star Trek. And when uh, the kid, the woman who played Uhura wanted to quit the show, he said, no, you have to stay on the show because you're inspiring people. You know, people need to know that we are a part of the future. And even today, when we talk about black characters in science fiction, she's one of the most popular ones. But I think even more importantly, she inspired Mae Jemison to become an astronaut. You know, Mae Jemison was the first black woman to go into space. She actively recruited a lot of the first women to go into space. Uh, I'm talking about Uhura. And, you know, there's many other tie-ins as well. So something that was fictitious 
you know, which was, you know, this this TV show, you know, that featured, you know, a cast of characters, you know, gallivanting all over the universe, you know, in some ways it made real social change um, and was very applicable here on Earth. You know, not to mention some of the other innovations that they had on Star Trek or a lot of the other science fiction shows. Uh, you can easily take some of the technologies that we have now and they reflect things that people were talking about in science fiction, say, 30, 40, 50 years ago. I mean, this podcast, for example. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I definitely agree with your point. That makes a lot of Mm -hmm. sense. Cool. Yeah, cool question. Thanks for asking. Thanks, Raina. I had a random question. Go for it. Random question. I'm jumping back to the Rayla 2012 because Everett, that's my um, my guy, and he's asking. He says the Rayla 2012 sounds so cool. Is it a video game? Is it gonna be a video game? It sounds amazing. I'm working on it. It's gonna be a lot of things, but I, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That, yeah. Well, that was one of the things I was going to ask about too. Uh, I saw the visual the, that's on YouTube. And I was like, this, this mm-hmm. looks kind of cool, you know. Or, and I was going to ask what your, you know, what your plans were for for the character. Like, is this going to be the first of a couple? Is this the first of a of a series? You know, is this going to be a game, a movie? You know, what are some of the things you have? You uh, you think you might take? Uh, you what are some of the things you might do with? Uh, this character and series? Well, I want to do a lot of things with her. I mean, for one, you know, putting out a series of books. Um, there's a soundtrack that's coming out within the the book as well uh, that's being produced by H. Prism, so you'll have some, you know, fun time travel music. Uh, I am, I want to do an animation, you know, I want to do, you know, take Rayla into the whole live action world. You know, I really like the game. And so a lot of these things are in development. But for now, you know, one of our, our big kickoffs, you know, is going to be at C2E2. And um, with that, you know, people will get to get at least some of their early um, poster art and, you know, books. Oh, and the art book, too, that we're putting together. So a lot of that will be accessible. And it will be available on Amazon as well at the end of April. So, All right. All right. This, this the is the soundtrack. Limit. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's gonna this be is kind of random. Time. This is kind of random. Uh, okay. If you were working on a film right now, is there any actress that's uh, that's out right now that you would love to uh, play the role of Rayla? If you could, um, you know, pick anybody. I, you know, I can't say because there's so many talented actresses out there. I can't say. I mean, it's okay. a lot of, you know, well-deserving women who are in total superhero mode. Who <laughs> 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 I think would be total, who could, you know, be Rayla all day long. Awesome. Did you have plans to maybe do a comic book? I don't know if I don't know if if, that, if you mentioned that prior. Maybe get a, con, a comic yeah. book series going. 
Yeah, well, I'm looking at graphic novels uh, and putting one together. And, you know, everything that she can do, I am totally open to doing. And, you know, some of the things we mentioned are in the early stages. So I'm totally excited. That's awesome. Um, have you already, you know, have you, have you, you know, laid any groundwork for maybe the the follow up to this? I know this one's getting ready to to come out next month, but have you, uh, have you already looked ahead to maybe your next book? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not going to give it away just yet because if you finish the, the once people buy the Rayla 2212, when they finish that one, they'll see what the next book's going to be. Mm. So you have to hold your horses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we could get like a little sneak preview, a little some, some, some with the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 not yet. I can't ruin it all for you. <laughs> Rats. <laughs> uh, Noah, did you have something? I'm waiting for you to play my song. No, I was just. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, my bad. Jeez. <clears throat> <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear my song. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, this is what this is what we're gonna. Well, let me. Okay. We'll do this. I'm gonna ask her one more question. Then we'll take the music break because Noah really, 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 really wants to hear some Janelle Monae. Um. <laughs> so, and I promised her. You know, this is her birthday show. So, don't. Oh, promise, happy birthday so. to you! Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So this for is her, great. we're gonna happy definitely birthday. make sure we play. <laughs> definitely gonna make sure we play one of her uh a song that she that she uh definitely that she likes. Actually we should do that now. That way you can you can we can jam out real quick and then we can kinda get ready to, to bring it uh bring it down and get ready to end the show in a bit. So um we're gonna take a break and we'll be back in this is a five and a half minute song. So we'll be back in five and five and a half minutes the breakbeat, myself, Noah, and Miss Natasha Womack. Play. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Playing your song. Everybody trying to fix the day. 
father drunk, backed up, out, outcast, weirdo, stepchild, freak show, black girl, bad hair, broad nose, cold stare, tap shoes, Broadway, tuxedo, holiday, creative block, love song, stupid words, erase song, the gunshot, orange house, dead, dead, been walking with the dirty mouth, spoiled goods, sell bread, welfare, bubonic flex, record deal, light bulb, he keep back in town, corporate stuff, breast cancer, common cold, HIV, lost hope, overweight, self-esteem, mishipsy, broken dream, fish tank, small bowl, close-minded, dark hole, cyberman, joy, joy control, get away, no tongue, so you spoke, microphone, one, one stage, tomboy, outrage, street fight, bloody war, instigator, third floor, provincial style, broken heart, STD, quarantine, heroin eaters, cokehead, final, final chapter, deathbed, plastic sweat, metal skin, metallic tears, mannequin, carefree, nightclub, closet drunk, bathtub, white house, Jim Crow, dirt, dirty line, my, my regards. Myself, your favorite MC's favorite MC, C. Brooks, got <laughs> uh, my awesome co-host Noah Jones on the line, and we have a very, very special guest tonight, Miss Natasha Womack, author and filmmaker. Well, she holds, she has a whole lot of hats, but those are two of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um we're getting ready to uh, wind wind the show down. Uh, we have about 13, 13 minutes left before uh, before we get out of here. If there's any con- uh, questions or comments or anything, y'all can feel free to call in while we're still on here at 310-982-4273. And make sure you press 1. When you come on the line, so that you know, I can see that you're in the queue, and that we can, um, you know, we can bring you on. So, um, I guess um, I said, well, one of the things I guess we didn't really get, we didn't really talk a whole lot about is um, uh, to, to, uh, to your filmmaker. Um, you know, what kind of what projects have you have you put out where people can you know go check your stuff out? 
Yeah, I did a film called Love Shorts uh, that I wrote and produced. Uh, I did another film called The Engagement that I directed, which starred Bernadette Sanis and Clifton Davis. I was pretty excited about that. And I am going into uh, production, actually, you know, this summer. So I'm doing some, I have some cool stuff in the works. I can't totally give details just yet, but I will be shooting this summer, so. It's it's an exciting it's just an exciting time. I've been doing a lot of focus on writing a lot of the some of the book projects and so I'm looking forward to doing some shooting. Awesome. And as for the films that you put out, are these particular are these films particularly Afro futurist films or are they you know, are they uh in other no, genres? No, well? actually they're romantic comedies. Those two are romantic comedies. And um, we both films were nominated for um, for well one film the engagement was nominated at the American Black Film Fest uh, for best actress and, and best film which I was pretty excited about and Love Short did really well in a lot of the festivals too we traveled all around and both you can get on DVD I would say they're they're entertaining. I might be a little biased, but I think they work. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so there's there's some cool stuff in the works. I can't wait to to tell you guys about it later. Oh, def def definitely. Uh, Noah, you got anything? I'm still looking at this website and looking at these amazing pictures, but let's see if I can pull a question out real quick. We ran through these questions. Uh, we sure did. Um, yeah. I guess we'll... Oh. No. <laughs> yes? Oh, no. Um, I was just going to say that there's a new Rayla image that's posted on the website, uh, Rayla2212.com, that Ashley Wood put together that I think people will be pretty excited about. Awesome. And... um. Where 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 can uh, they go look at this and find it? What's the what's the the address? Oh, it's www.rayla.rayla2212.com, and you can also follow Rayla on Twitter too at Rayla2212, and you can check out some of um her fan info and get some updates on Face News at Team Rayla2212 as well on Twitter. And then we're on Facebook, so. <laughs> All right, awesome. So um, I guess we have I have two well, two more questions, and then we'll 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 uh, we'll end the show right here. Um, first one is well, I see that you you kind of uh, you you uh, you worked you were the co-editor for a hip hop anthology, Beach Rhyme, and Life, and what we love and hate about hip hop. Um, what can you uh, tell us what you know what what that was like? Yeah, that was a really fun project that I did with Kenji Jasper. Kenji is an amazing novelist, and we both went to school in the AUC, the Atlanta University Center. Kenji went to Morehouse. I went to Clark Atlanta, and we were total hip-hop heads. So when we saw a lot of the changes in the music, we said, you know, let's put together an anthology with different writers who – are respected in the genre who can talk about some of these changing paradigms in the culture. So we had a lot of contributors who 
put together some really interesting works. Um, Mike Gonzalez, who's a great culture critic and, and does a lot of work with Ebony.com, you know, as well as many others, contributed to the project. And I, I'm really proud of it. I think it's stellar writing about hip-hop. Quite a few universities have used it for their hip-hop classes, which I think is very, very cool. And uh, I like it because people who know nothing about hip-hop, like maybe some of our, our parents, can read it and see the connections between, say, the origins of hip-hop culture and maybe jazz or some of the music that they like. They could see some of the parallels. Um the music has evolved in many ways where you can have a lot of debates around some of the social conscious elements of it. But around the time that I really became connected with it, there were – it was really ripe for cultural criticism and analysis. And whether you're looking at the commercialism or you're looking at the dance culture or you're looking at some of the imagery in the music, I think that – a lot of when those things were transforming was around the time that the book was put out. It's awesome, and just to just to follow up because I'm a huge hip hop fan myself. Uh, what's your what would you say one of your some of your favorite albums are? Well, I mean, I saw Beach Rhyme in Life, and it, it immediately made me think of Tribe. Right, right, and that's where that title came from. I'm an Outcast fan. I'm a total outcast. I love pretty much everything they put out, and I'm a public enemy fan. So I love everything that they put out as well. Um, Those are probably my top two favorites, and it's interesting because they're both groups as well. (laughs) So, um, yeah, pretty much everything that that those two put out. Um, The the Stankonia album, I thought it was pretty stellar. I'll stick with those two for now. Okay, awesome. Oh, you know who I really like, too? I'm a big fan of of DJs, so the Executioners. Oh, yeah, Executioners are fantastic. Yeah, so everything that the Executioners put out, I like. I have a question. I have a question. No. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay, so... I was before Brooks kind of like stole the format of my question. No, I wanted to ask you what your favorite science fiction or fantasy book or story was. My favorite? Yes, of all time. Well, that's a tough question. <laughs> that is a tough one. It is a tough question, reason. especially when you're uh, a fan. Okay, of well, I will say this year, right now. Including 2013, um, right now. You know what I really like, actually? And this is going to be, uh, this is a, a bit of a bias, but I really like the the Black Kirby piece that uh, John Jennings and Stacey Robinson put together. It was an art mm-hmm. show, but then they created a book uh, about with essays on all of the art pieces. And there are a lot of contributors to it. So that I would probably put is is one of my favorites. And it's because, you know, Black Kirby was a playoff of Jack Kirby, who, of course, made a lot of the iconic 
comic book covers and what Stacy and John did was they took those images and kind of inverted them, you know, created them as if Jack Kirby were black and infused black culture. So you have someone like Magneto who's kind of re, remade as Malcolm X or you look at, um, what else? They took Captain America and then I think, I want to say that he turned him into, you know, Captain, I don't want to say maybe Sankofa, uh, and made him, you know, black. And so it was a lot of really interesting imagery in that sense. Sounds dope. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, Last random question. DC or Marvel? Not answering. (laughs) (laughs) You're not getting me in that tug of war. <laughs> oh darn! All right, uh, we have about. That's a, what that's you kind saying? of a hard choice, anyway. It is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, on the one hand you have Wonder Woman, on the other hand you have, you know, all these other greats. I mean, I just can't really know. <laughs> I'm a fan of both, but I always like ask, I always like asking that question of, of people, see where they, which side of the fence they stand on. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we have a little under three minutes, or excuse me, a little under two minutes uh, left on the show. Uh, so can you, um, you know, let everyone, you, okay, I just got the marker there. Uh, can you let everyone know, uh, you know, where can they find you? On, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, your website, you know, how, you know, they can get in contact with you if they have a comment or something? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Yatasha Womack. That's Y-T-A-S-H-A, Womack. I'm on Facebook. Um, and, of course, you can follow the Afrofuturism book at I, Afrofuturism, on Twitter. Uh, you can find that on Facebook, too. The website for the Afrofuturism book is www.i, that's the letter I, afrofuturism.com. And the Rayla website is Rayla, R-A-Y-L-A, 2212.com. And that will take you to her many Twitter links and Facebook page as well. All right, awesome. And, uh, okay, we got about 30 seconds left. Um Natasha, do you have maybe another 10 minutes or so to hang out for the podcast, you know, before we cut this off? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, uh, we'll be on the podcast for everyone who's who's listening. Uh, the show is going to cut off in about 20 seconds. Uh, for all who are only going to listen to this portion of the show, uh, thank you for calling in. Like the special thank you to Ms. Womack for calling in. And uh, catch us in two weeks here on The Breakbeat. Good night. And we are on the podcast. Cool. Uh, okay, how'd I do? How'd I do? I was nervous at first. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I thought you guys were great. You asked me some cool, pretty heavy hitting <laughs> questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, for I, I kind of realized that halfway through, I was like, "Damn, we made, we made this kind of like real serious, real quick." <laughs> <laughs> well, it goes there, so. So that's kind of why I went, definitely wanted to ask, like, little lighter, lighter questions at the end, you know, because, you know, you know, you, were, you did it, the hip-hop book, and you know, obviously you like sci-fi, so might as well get into just, like, some regular-ass fan questions and whatnot. 
Oh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You can uh, forget there is a lighter side. (laughs) 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 I have deep ego. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one thing we definitely try to do here. I mean, we want to have a productive convo, but at the same time, you know, we're all human. We want to laugh and be entertained and, you know, kind of showcase that side too. Yeah, yeah, we did get super. Ser- we did get super serious, but I don't know. It was, it was cool. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it myself. Yeah, it was a it was a really 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 great show. Really, once again, thank you for coming on because it was it was awesome. Yes, thank you. Wow, no, thanks to you. So right now we're on the podcast, so people are still listening, right? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Some people. Some people. We have like, I think two people. From two people from the live show that are still listening, and everyone else will basically hear this when it gets to iTunes and Stitcher and everything afterwards. Okay. Well, can I ask a question? By all means. Okay. Noah, can you tell me what you liked about the Afrofuturism book? I, my favorite chapters, like I said, were chapters five and six. Um, the African cosmos and the um, for modern mermaids and the divine feminine in space. It's just, I mean, I love the whole book, but those two chapters are the ones that I keep flipping back to because I love the I love the description of the um, the Dogen and the the Gara. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but mm-hmm. I love the idea that they don't draw a line between reality and imagination. Like, there's something about that really spoke to me because I always loved fantasy and science fiction when I was a kid all the way up until I was an adult. And I just, like, people, I've had friends tell me, why do you read fiction? It's all escapism and you just, it's it's just, it's pointless to read. And I don't, I don't understand that view of things. And I've always loved, I've always loved this um, fantastical view of the world and the idea that they don't have a separate word for supernatural. They just everything is together. And I don't know. I really love that. And I love mermaids too. So all the water <laughs> stuff. Like I'm right. I write. Like I, I'm. I'm also a writer, but I'm not. I'm not as not like famous or anything. And. <laughs> I'm going to school for creative writing and just the, uh, just the, just the stuff that I like to write. It is just like really inspired me. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I just ask, you know, because it, uh, one of the reasons I put the book together was because, you know, a lot of times people have ideas around what we call Afrofuturism. They just don't know Afrofuturism exists. And uh, when you see a platform to to create intersections between those ideas, you know, it lends itself to more reflection or thought around them. And for some people, actual validation around who they are. So, you know, they say, oh, wow, you know, I've been thinking these thoughts and, you know, now I don't feel so weird anymore because, look, here's a book that says there's a whole community of people and, oh, wow, it's not just a group of people. There's a lineage of I thought around this as well. So it's not just me by myself or me and my few friends talking about it. 
and there's something about the grandness of that that I recognize when I travel to different places and I talk about Afrofuturism, a lot of the enthusiasm is the whole idea of, oh, look, I'm not alone. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, uh, I'll have to share mine after I'm able to get my hands on the book. uh, (laughs) I haven't read it yet. It's dope, uh, too. And then, like, I, it introduced me to so many different things, like the, um, like the Wanuri Kai, Kai, who? Kai? Tell me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, wait, what are you saying? Wanuri, the filmmaker Wanuri Kai, Kai, who? She did the TED, I, so I watched her TED Talk, and I also watched Oh, you're talking about, um. Oh, you're talking about the woman who directed Poonzi and produced Poonzi. Yes. Okay. I, loved, I loved it. And that I would never have known of that had I not seen, or it would have taken me a lot longer to find it, had I not seen this chapter. And just a lot of, a lot of books that you talked about and everything like that, like I've been doing my research for some of my short stories, and it, it was a very informative, very inspiring. Yeah, I think for me, too, you know, in researching the book, you know, all of a sudden different ideas clicked for me to be able to write the fiction book that I wanted to do. Uh, I think a lot of times we don't realize how many limitations we put on ourselves because we feel limited to a certain format, whether it's the romance novel format or the mystery format or you know, the action format and Afrofuturism, I think opens a, another door to the elements that you can intersect in storytelling. So you can pull on a lot of different genres and still tell your story and people don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. So it makes me kind of excited to read this book now. Okay, okay. yeah, I'm glad. And it's kind of interesting because I, 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 it kind of reminds me of, there's a story, I, I mean, I make music now, but a long time ago, I used to, I tried writing fantasy stories, and I always kind of had this one idea that never kind of, I kind of, I guess never kind of went anywhere, and I guess part of it was, at the time, I kind of felt, you know, a little pressured to just kind of fit within a box because I, I hadn't heard of black, I hadn't heard of any type of black sci-fi or fantasy, and it was, it was just an idea, and, you know, I never thought about kind of really exploring, really kind of exploring that. Now, I've, like over the past year, I've I've actually kind of been thinking about maybe kind of fusing, or kind of bringing that idea back, and maybe kind of fusing it with like music or something. And it's it's kind of refreshing to hear that, you know, other people have also kind of had that idea also of her, to, to kind of do the same thing. Yeah. Well, there's a, the guy who's putting together uh, my soundtrack, uh, H. Prism, he actually put out a CD called Kush, K-U-S-H, referring to the Kush Empire. And mm-hmm. that's a, 
a backdrop for some of the music that he created as well. Um, he has another one called Auntie. And these are, you know, that just came out. And there's, a, again, the backdrop to some of these um, uh, major black empires that existed. And so the, but the music that um, he created uh, deals with beat composition. So earlier when I was talking about the, the show at the MoMA, um, King Brett and, you know, along with H. Prism and, and you know, uh, Hank Shockley and several others are working with this beat composition idea where you're kind of, you're composing music live, but it's electronic and, or it's digital rather, and you're pulling from samples and, and I guess break beats, and, but you're just composing it in a live setting. Um, yeah, that's so been some really, really, really interesting work. That sounds really fascinating. And that it kind of, it grabbed my attention as soon as you said it, which I I was I was interested in like where it was because that that sounds really cool and that's something that I'd, I'd be interested in checking out for sure. Okay. Well, if you think you're gonna go, let me know. Um, let me know for sure. Yeah, I think I should be able to swing that. Uh, it's on the weekend, right? I believe. It's on a Sunday. Sunday? Oh, yeah, that's even better. Yeah, I, could definitely, I think I could definitely swing that. I want okay. you to know, Bruce, that I'm so jealous right now. So jealous. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in Milwaukee, and I know I can't get out there. And you just, you're just openly disgusting this. Like, no, I'm just... <laughs> But I am jealous. <laughs> Where are you, MC? I'm. Oh, I live in DC. Oh, okay. I live in Washington. Oh, you're in DC. Okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. So DC, Milwaukee, and Chicago. That's the Great Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> it is. First, I'm sending you some hater rays, like so hard That's... right now. Because <laughs> I really yeah, want to. Yeah, because uh, well, I, tell, okay, cause because I, I I frequent I frequent anime cons uh, around here. That's that's been my thing since about 2005, and just actually last year the Black Comic Con that they had in Philadelphia. I don't I forget what the actual name for it was, um, but I remember finding out about that, and I and I remember I was actually supposed to be in Philly that weekend, but I found out at the last minute, and I didn't have any like I didn't have, I didn't set aside any funds for me to be able to go. And it kind of like kind of upset me because I'm like, damn, I'm gonna be right there in Philly with a, a a black comic convention, and I'm not gonna be able to go. But next year, I definitely want to make sure I go because that seems really cool, you know. And like I said, I've been going to conventions for you know for almost for nine years now, and you know, I, I as as many black folks as I run into, I never. You know, I never thought that there. I never really thought about. Oh, I wonder if there's one exclusively for, like, black, you know, artists, you know, black authors yeah, and animators and whatnot. It's Say a it few. They, um, it's a few of them. The the term that's frequently used is black age in comics. That's supposed to mm-hmm. refer to uh, the aesthetic of the art aesthetic. Uh, of comic books that I guess many black creators might reference or are creating. And uh-huh. so uh, an artist named Tertel Only, who's actually out of Chicago, pioneered that term. And 
they do a Black Asian Comics here in Chicago every other year. Um, there's a, a Pocket Con, which is for teenagers, but focuses on working with uh, teenagers of color, which is each summer. I think Detroit does the Motor City Black Asian Comics. And I want to say Atlanta does Onyx Con. And I can't remember the name of the one in Philadelphia, but I believe it's coming up this spring or summer. Yeah, and that's why it threw me off. Because uh, I remember, I found out, like, literally last like last minute that that, that that was happening. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of upset that I can't, you know, I can't go to this. Because it sounds like it'd be, you know, it'd be really dope. Yeah. Um, actually, I think it's called the Pan-African Comic Convention. Yeah. Or the East Coast Age of Comics. That's it. It's called the East Coast Age of Comics. And that's the one that's in, I think, in Philadelphia. Yeah, because that's, I definitely want to make sure, I I definitely uh, check, check that out. I think, like, I, I, like, um, this is just, it's only for me. It's only been about the past year or so that I've kind of been opened opened up to this world of, uh, or black I guess, black nerd culture I guess if I can call it that. It's, it's only mm-hmm. like I'm fairly I'm fairly new to it. I mean I've been I've been going like I said I've been going to cons and and all of that for mad years, but you know just actually finding out that there are actual you know. Uh, black cons and whatnot is actually like really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, well, it's May seventeenth. The East Coast Black Asian Comics in Philadelphia. It's May seventeenth, and you can go to ecbacc dot com to get the yep. information. Marking the calendar now. Mhm. That sounds really awesome. What's the one that they have in Chicago? Uh, It's called the, I want to say it's called the Black Age in Comics, or Black Age of Comics. And I want to say that was the first one. The one that came out of Chicago was the first. So they do it every other year, and I don't know if they're doing it this year. I have to check. Okay, that sounds dope. I've never been to Chicago, so any any excuse I have to go there is, (laughs) <laughs> is 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 definitely a good one. Yeah, best city in the world. <laughs> yeah, you do. As a matter of fact, Noah, you can come to. Uh, I'm doing a Afrofuturism party with a friend of mine, Kahari B, who you might remember in the book as well. He's uh, Kahari B, the disco poet. We're doing a a big event this summer. That's just a, a total. Party, so it's the Afrofuturism themed party. So once we get the date, it's definitely going to be in July. Then you'll have to come up for that. Oh, uh, please do. As long as it's not uh, as long as it's not July twenty sixth, which is the only like <laughs> that day. I have a I have a concert that day that I'm performing at. So that's the only. But other than that, I have thirty other days that I can. <laughs> I'm basically free 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 to come to that. That sounds uh, that, that sounds really dope. Definitely would love to make make sure I come to Chi Town for that. Yeah, I want to go bring a costume. I really want to go, better. but I have this paid in, I have a paid internship this summer, so we'll see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's fine. That's important. So it depends on when it lands. 
So I'm so I, I had a really good time on this show. This was a good show. Most definitely, and you know, whenever you have any any you know if you have any events or anything that you want us to throw out, you know, we definitely can promote that on promote promote our stuff promote that on the show also. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll just make sure you have all the Rayla information. Yeah, definitely, because we can, we can, I can make sure I put that on our announcement list so that whenever we push that, that whenever we do our, like when we do our next show in two weeks, you know, we can make sure that that that, that we uh, that we announce that and make sure people can go, you know, well, that people know about it and that they can go check it yeah. out. Because uh, the book, Rayla 2212, is going to launch at the Chicago Comic Con, which is April 25th through the 27th. So, so if you want to get your signed copies in person, uh, that's where I'll, I'll be. Wait, you said Chicago Comic Con? Mm-hmm. Oh, and... Yep. <laughs> oh, I think she's brainstorming. Trying to figure yeah, it out. I'll be, I'll be there. Um, and if not, I'm going to do another event before then as well. Um, but the book will be available on Amazon um, at that point, too. So the Comic-Con is, is just a really cool kickoff. Is it the Wizard World convention? Wizard World no, convention? Wizard, oh, Wizard World... I'm not sure if I'm going to be there yet. I'm trying to find the website right now so I can see how much tickets are. <laughs> oh, <laughs> C2E2. I think it's just C2E2.com. But I also wow. have a link to it on my blog, iafrofuturism.wordpress.com. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't know. If that's kind of short notice for me. I would love to swing that, though, if, if possible. No, that's fine, because um, there'll be more, and then plus, hopefully I'll get to see you in New York. And then I'll have to set up something in D.C. at some point, too. Yeah, hey, it's, it's, there, there's, we'd love to have you here. There's, I know more, I, I could probably bring about a good 30 people for whatever event you bring, whatever event okay. uh, happens here. I know so many people that I know would definitely be interested. Yeah, um, like a plan. What day are you going to be there? At the Comic-Con? The, I'm going to have a booth, so I'll be there every day, the 25th through the 27th. So I think that's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, snap. I will be there. $60 ticket. <laughs> there. There. No, because some Remember of those times are like didn't happen. $100, $200 or something. Some of the cons. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I had to check. Yeah, I've Remember seen that, pic- so I had to check. Remember, Noah, Pixar didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I take all see, You better take a bunch of pictures, too, because I will be living vicariously through you. <laughs> all right. So, everything yeah, the moment you do, is going to be pretty hot. Everything. The party and the party oh, thing yeah. is definitely my atmosphere because I love to dance. So I get to dress oh, up. I want to see this. Yeah, this is a total. <laughs> it's actually part of it. It's the summer debauchery ball. My friend Kahari B does a birthday party every year. That is a uh, a total deep house music dance set. 
And oh, there's usually some sort house? of thing. Oh. House music. Yes, we, we, we tried to go this past year, but we couldn't. Um, our car was acting stupid, so we couldn't get down there, and I was so mad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he does a big birthday party, but it's always in the winter, and it's always snowing. So because we here in Chicago had such a tough, tough winter, um, he wanted to do one in the summer as well. So we're going to do it with an Afrofuturism theme, and it's going to be uh, very, very uh, off the chain, totally Afrofuturistic. So <laughs> get your costume ready. Just make your costume danceable. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I make sure of that because I'd be mad if I have to go and I have to stand because I can't dance or something. <laughs> Anyone, any, all my friends, all, I'm in all my circles. I'm the guy. I'm I'm the I'm the dance guy because I can okay. pretty much dance to anything. So, I and I love to do it. So this will definitely. So you said the right word, right. party. So I'm there. <laughs> right. You should come. You should come up here. Remember, you're supposed to come up here this summer. So you come up here. You visit us. You stay for free. We go down there. We party. Hey, let's do that's, it. That's, that's, that's a plan. I, that's a plan I can get behind. Yes. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. Definitely need to make this happen asexually. Yeah. Oof. It's so cold outside. Indeed. This is awesome. This is awesome. This has been a great this has been a great show and an even better podcast. Now we have stuff to definitely look forward to. Yes. Just uh I'm getting, make I'm, sure you can get us with the, the information for that whenever it's uh available. Cause then I can start uh setting my making my plans or setting my schedule around that. Okay. Yeah, it'll be fun. I will send that to you. Just uh, keep in mind July. Just remember July. And it'll most likely be, I want to say it'll most likely be the second weekend in July, but that hasn't Perfect. been confirmed yet. Okay, cool. As long as it's not the last weekend, I'm fine because I can't, I can't afford, I have a show I'm headlining at the end of July, so I can't afford to to not come, to miss out on that. Wow, yeah. what are you doing? Are you DJing? Uh, no, I, I rap. I rap and I, I do oh, a little really? bit of DJing, but I, I, I rap, yeah. And um, okay, and that's uh, me the and my crew moniker. Yeah, <laughs> which is a, which is a, it's a play on my my actual my my real name, uh, which is Marcus Seabrooks. But uh, one of my friends in high school, I used to play in a, a metal band, and one of my one of the bass player was high as hell one day. It was just like, hey man, M C Brooks, get it, huh? Get it, huh? And I was like, shut up, <laughs> stupid, and. <laughs> A couple of years later, I was like, you know, that actually, I guess it kind of works. So I guess I, it just kind of stuck ever since. Oh, that's cool. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a name that works. So, yeah, I mean, great. no one well, else has it, which is always for, cool. True. Well, congrats to you for um, for headlining. Yeah, so I can't afford uh It's like it's a big showcase because uh, – my, me and my group, we're, we're a, a science, uh, kind of a science-based group. But we, you know, we're all, we're a group of musicians and 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 physicists and DJs and artists and and, and whatnot. And I was trying, I was actually trying to get a bunch of them to come listen in tonight because I know I have three friends that I know are 
huge sci-fi nuts, and uh, they would have they would have loved uh, they would have, they would have uh, they would have loved to listen to the show. And I know that they'd definitely be interested in Afrofuturism. Unfortunately, they're sleeping and then they're not listening when I was trying to get them hip to it. But. <laughs> Well, that's cool. Yeah, just have them take a listen and refer them to the book because it sounds like they're Afrofuturists all day long. It's something about that musical connection that I think really facilitates an understanding of Afrofuturism for people. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we've we had full conversations about it uh, like a, like two years ago, except we we didn't know the term. You know, we didn't have a term for it. Right. We were like we we talked about. It. I mean, we we had they had they we had plans for a while to actually create um, like our own comic book that was going to be based on like ourselves in the future. Oh, that's fun. You know, so we we didn't we didn't know that you know Afrofuturism existed and and all of that. But um, I, yeah, I know that they be I know that they would be yeah, I wrote the book for the same reason, because it's a lot of people like you and your friends who are Afrofuturists all day long and just hadn't heard the term before. So, Yeah, so definitely I'm going to okay. make that. I'm, gonna, I'm making a note right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I might have to spam them, but I'm going to get them to <laughs> check this out for sure. Yeah, well, if you have to convince them don't har- that hard, don't worry about it. <laughs> It should be a natural connection. Should be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm deceiving. Uh, you know what? Well, I have to thank you guys once again. This has been so exciting being a part of the the radio show and participating on the podcast. And I am, you know, honored to be talking to people who are, are so enthused around Afrofuturism and happy that you gave me a, a platform to, to talk about it once again. It's, it's, and, it's an exciting time, and I'm just delighted that people have an opportunity to connect with it um, and that they find value in the book and the many people who I referenced who are all giving life to this growing aesthetic that is rich and has a lineage and has, you know, promise and a very exciting present. So so thank you. Thank you very much. Right. And once again, thank, thank you for coming on because uh, I'm kind of geeked right now. Now, I understand why I know <laughs> it was geeked like a, a week and a half now. And um, glad, <laughs> definitely glad to have had you on. And hopefully we can bring you back because this, this won't be the only time. I know this won't be the only time we explore this topic. So hopefully – Whenever we do this again in the future, we can have you back on. Yeah, I look forward to it. And uh, just let me know if you're going to go to that event in New York. And let me know if you guys are able to come down to Chicago. And we'll make sure all is welcome for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, awesome. So with that, I'm going to have to say goodbye to everyone. Um, Again, I really appreciate it. And if you need anything, you Know where to find me in the Twitterverse. Most definitely. Thank Thanks you. for coming on. Okay. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Talk All right. to you later. Okay. I'm so geeked right now. <laughs> I know. I'm so geeked right now. 
I'm going for that thing. Yeah. I'm going. You understand? I'm shit. I'm go. I'm going. This is gonna happen. Like I'm mad hype right now. <laughs> Are you really? Mad, mad, Aaron's mad hype too, because he's like, I want to intern. I want to. I want to intern. I want to. I want to be involved. This is the kind of project I want to be in. This is the kind of stuff I want to do. I just got to be a part of it. And I'm like, dude, dude, yes. <laughs> This was a good show. This was, like, for me to not be doing it tomorrow, this is, like, the best gift ever to have a show like this. Yeah, and you did awesome, just for the record. Thank you. Thank you. you did awesome. I might have to give you more responsibilities. <laughs> I no, think that, like, I own, like, I, like, I own the show or some shit. That's, that's no, right. Next time around, I'll let you read the announcements. Uh. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was, it was, you did a great job. Thank you. I actually sent you a link um, about for the next show. I'm not going to talk about it right now, but I sent you. I, wait, did I send it to you or did I send it to Raina? I sent an article to one of you guys. And uh, it wasn't to me because I don't have anything on. I don't have anything on. Yeah, the, uh, it was a while ago. I probably forgot to send it to you. Yeah, you, all you said was you couldn't stay on for much longer. And here we go. I'm going to send it to you right now. Yeah, I um I'm going to that thing to get my book signed and to buy the book. I'm going, going out. You don't know, understand, like I, I'm I'm taking my ass straight to Barnes and Nobles tomorrow. Well, I'm gonna call <laughs> first and make sure they got the shit. But when they, if they have the shit, I'm just taking my I'm smooth taking my ass around there to go get that joint. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm buying. I'm buying the book. This is awesome. This whole day has been awesome. This show was freaking awesome. Anyone who's still listening right now is awesome because we're like 35 minutes (laughs) in. (laughs) The thing is is that we already said that this was going to be a phenomenal year. We already said that. Right, and now we're making that shit happen. Yeah. You got your internship. You know, we got, like, like, you understand, yo, we had, like, we had we had around like twenty live listeners tonight. Yeah. Like we had a bunch we had a bunch who called and were listening in and then we had a bunch who we had a bunch uh who were in the chat room also. Like Yeah. That's uh, that's amazing. Okay. We've never had that going. many in one show. Yeah. We should start doing more topics like what we've been doing. Like I think it's it's, it's working. I I, I dig it. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, we can we can Kim gives us license to talk about whatever. I remember yeah. like I try to keep this short. I remember like sometime last year, um, I was gonna like I hopped on I hopped on, I was, I just I was gonna hop on UStream to talk about something and then Kim hit me up and was like you know hey like do you want to do you want to just hop on blog talk cuz you can and I was like for real she said yeah you can you can do a show whenever you feel like it I was like oh cool all right <laughs> didn't didn't know I had that kind of pull but awesome <laughs> yeah we got to you know what we got to do I really wish that we could, we had like a, a blog 
for the the show. And we could just like post extra stuff on like extra links and pictures of things that we're doing. So if I really want to share the pictures from when I go to this this thing in Chicago. Well, we have the Facebook fan page, which honestly probably should do a better job of promoting and using because I I, I I don't use it. I know for a fact I don't. Really? Are you thinking about it? I just don't. <laughs> I, I'm going to need you to, to tag me in something on that fan page. Wait, you're talking about our page? Like, yeah, the breakbeat. The one that says the oh, breakbeat BFT. Other people can see that? Yeah, people can post. Yeah, you when you post on that, it shows up. Other people can see that. Okay. You know what? I thought it was private like the other group. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, okay. that's uh, well, that's public. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got Facebook chat for private. We should probably do a better job of promoting that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, honestly, what, I, what I'm, what I've been reading, what, honestly, what I've been reading like the last, I mean, in addition to this stuff, is I've been, I've been reading like uh, how to increase outreach, because, you know, I want more people to listen, and uh, think, you know, I think our shows are dope enough that you know people can listen. I mean, people I know personally are listening in, like I, I. I I recognize a good portion of the phone numbers that were calling in, and I had people who were texting me, like, texting me stuff like, oh, this is awesome. Like, the questions I read earlier were were questions from from one of my friends who was listening in. So, um, so all we need to do is try to find, you know, try to figure out a way to, I guess, increase our outreach, you know? Yeah. Well, doing shows to, about different topics like this will kind of help with that because it kind of connects what we are all about with pop culture. Wait, say it again? I say doing shows like this should kind of help because, like, in, like, the video game show because, like, it kind of increases our connection to pop culture rather than just, you know, being all philosophical and shit. We can kind of apply it to real life. Yeah, so some modern shit. Yeah. So, and I think I think that's what that's what that's what interests that that I think that that that's what that's what interests people. And you know, and you know, as far as and you know, I think keeping it a little light at times can also help because, like I said, the Love and Happiness show, as far as downloads and listens, is like off the fucking charts. So. <laughs> Like we had, we I think we were around 800 last I checked. So, and that shit was that was a month ago. Yeah. So, you know, I think you know finding that even finding that even medium helps. Like, have you ever listened to This Week in Blackness with Elon James? No. I always keep meaning to, and then I don't. I don't ever know how to find it when I feel like listening. Oh, uh, shoot me away! Um, okay, I can do that. See, they do they do a mix of they do a mix of stuff. They do a mix of uh, they do a mix of. Damn, that chin hurts. Um, we do they do a mix of. Um, 
how do I explain this? Okay, uh, like they have a lot of the same people, but they host different shows on stuff. Like Elon will do, like he'll be on the normal, like the the normal show, and then he'll then he'll, but he'll also then be on the We Nerd Hard show, where they'll talk about specifically, you know, nerd shit, nerd stuff, as opposed to maybe politics or you know some daily fuckery that happens, you know. And I think as far as us, you know, it can it only helps, you know, it it only helps if we, you know. Do 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 some kind of like that. Like we we can have a lot of the topics that we have, but you know also keep it modern and keep it light at times so that people can, you know, still be interested. Because the one thing I don't want for us to do is I don't want I don't want our show to start sounding like anyone else's. Like I don't want our show to be Vita's show. Right. I don't want our show to be Em and Evil or Kim's or Kim's show. And and I don't want it to be uh, Alfred's okay. Alfred show either. You know, I want okay. our show to be our show. And if that do you means, think that you know, it sounds like us. Like, huh? I said, do you think that it sounds like somebody else's show? Like, oh no, 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 not at all, not at all. Oh. I don't think so at all. But I think, I think, um, like, I guess I, it, it does in the sense of if you look at a lot of the content that we all discuss, a lot of the content is all related. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like Kim doing some stuff on women of color, you know, uh, and atheism and whatnot. Or uh, Vita's doing a show on black feminism, you know, and then us doing shows on race and gender. Like, you know, a lot, I, I, I just don't want our show to, you know, I want the shows to start to run together to where you you could almost tune into each one and gather a lot of the same messages. So right. that's why, like, that's why, and that's why I liked like this show and and even the last show we did, and even the Love and Romance show, just for the simple fact that you know, shit, that's different. You know, like we got yeah. to talk video games last time. Like tonight, we got to talk about black sci-fi and Afrofuturism, something that you know obviously has never been discussed on here. Yeah. So I gotta get out of here though, Bert. So good. Um, we can talk probably sometime this weekend about whatever whatever we can do the next show on. I'm gonna read that link you yeah. sent me. All right, cool. Okay. I had so much fun. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> Happy birthday. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up at like midnight my time to tell you the same shit too. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you're still awake, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna let you know. If not, I'll let you know anyway. All right. Cool. Peace out. All right. We out of here. Break beat BFT.